scripture because I feel like the Lord's laid something on my heart today to share with you. Uh, God's good to us, isn't he? I'm looking at 1 Samuel chapter 13. We're going to read verse 17 and 18. And as I, before I begin that, uh, let me say I'm thankful for the five-fold ministry uh, evangelists, pastors, uh, evangelists, prophets, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I believe they ought to operate in the church. The Word of God uh, tells us that, and, and there are reasons that those fivefold ministries are in the church. I thank God for the ministry of the evangelist. Last Sunday, we had a great evangelist here, and we had a great, well, we had it Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We had a great time, and there was revival, and there was encouragement. Amen. But an evangelist is a little different from a pastor. In other words, he can say things, and you say, huh, I've never talked to him about that. That must be the Lord. But when the pastor says it, you say, well, he knows what I'm dealing with, so that, that's not God. That's just him. So we need the evangelist, don't we? Doesn't mean the pastor shouldn't say it, but sometimes we, we recognize that, well, the pastor kind of knows what's going on in the church. Uh, so I thank God for the wonderful weekend we had. And that, so I was praying about what would uh, happen in this service today. And I feel that the Lord led me to 1 Samuel 13, verse 17. And the spoilers came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned unto the way that leadeth to Oprah. <laughs> unto the land of Shuol. Verse 18. And another company turned the way to Beth Horon. And another company turned to the way of the border that looketh to the valley of Seboan toward the wilderness. I've chosen my title today to preach this to you, the spoiling of your victory. The spoiling of your victory. And the spoilers came out from the camp of the Philistines. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for every saint of God, every guest, every young and old person here today that's come to worship you. I pray your word would be quick and powerful. I pray it would reach down into our hearts today. Help me, Lord, to say what you've laid on my heart to share with this congregation in Jesus' name. And somebody say, in Jesus' name. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. Whether you know it or not, there's a battle going on. There's a war going on. There's a great wrestling in the spirit world. In fact, Paul said, I want you to know that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against spirits. I'm well aware that last week, you know, we had a wonderful time of encouragement and uplifting. But I'm well aware that the enemy knows we're in a battle. He's fighting against the people of God. It'd be wonderful if there were no difficulties or no battles. But there are. Spiritual conquest to win. I want to win them. I want to fight the good fight of faith. I don't want to give up in the battle. Somebody say amen. Not only are we in a battle spiritually. But let me draw a parallel today. With your body, you are in a war in your body. You say, well, I'm not sure I understand that. 
Your body is a battleground where a never-ending war is being waged against intruders. Those intruders are germs and bacteria. The air you breathe, everything you touch, teams with potential killers, killers, bacteria, viruses, germs. The list is endless. These intruders usually quickly are defeated by natural defenses of a healthy, amen, a healthy body. But once a bacteria uh, has penetrated uh, uh, the vulnerable area of your body, such as your tissue or the blood, uh, when, you, when you understand what happens, your body has an infantry that marches out to fight against the intruder. They are white blood cells. They gather uh, for the attack and most times subdue the bacteria. Uh, they say the body contains 25 to 30 billion of these white blood cells. And when a germ invades your body, the white blood cells multiply at the site of the infection. They kill the invaders by absorbing and digesting them. Listen. And during the battle, during the fight between the invader and the defenses of your own body, the germs do something interesting. They release a poison that's a byproduct of the battle going on. Those germs release a poison called toxins. And when those toxins are released, an amazing thing happens in your body. Your body is stimulated to produce a defensive chemical against that toxin. Uh, medical field calls it an antibody. So as a result of the battle, a poison is released. Your body develops an antibody against the toxin that is released from the war that is being waged. Those antibodies actually provide an immunity for your body in future infections of the same type. In other words, in a lifetime, our body may encounter as many as 100,000 different toxins, which in turn produce particular antibodies for that threat. So what I'm saying is every battle your body fights, when the second attack comes, you are more prepared for the second battle than you are the first one. Now I want to tell you that's why I come to church. <laughs> oh, no. I want to tell you that's why this is a day the Lord's made for me to worship. Because I'm going to face some battles this week. But I'm going to be more prepared for the second battle than I was for the first one. I'm a little wiser now than I was last Sunday because the Lord's working in my life. I'm a little wiser of what the enemy's doing in my life. So today, I'm here to worship the Lord and magnify His precious name. Oh, let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Amen. So with that in mind, let's talk about this war in the Spirit. God's plan is for us to grow spiritually stronger with every battle we face. Well, it's not a testimony for me to say, well, Pastor, it's been a hard week. The Lord lets us experience battles so that we can grow stronger spiritually. 
so that we're bigger next time, so that we're more powerful next time. From glory to glory, the Bible says. Paul says we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He said we are always caused to triumph. I don't know how you're feeling today, but the Lord is on your side. And if God be for you, who can be against you? I believe coming after a church, he's coming after a church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. He's not coming after a weak church. He's not coming after a sick church. It's a bride that is victorious. And John saw her in Revelation and he said she is glorious. Come on, I believe the church is glorious. I believe the people of God are wonderful. Oh, let's clap our hands unto Jesus today. I, I, I'm, we're locked in spiritual combat with a very subtle and treacherous enemy. He's out. Make no mistake about it. I want to say it very plainly. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The devil wants to destroy your life and destroy your family. We got to be aware of that. But I want to say something else to you. We have the power to defeat the enemy. In fact, when you're born again of the water and the spirit, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive a new heart, a new mind, a new spirit, a new nature, and ultimately you're going to get a new name. (laughs) Now I know this, that there are things you will learn in the battle. I said there are things you will learn in the battle. My battles move me to become more like Jesus. I'm not sure what you learn in your battles, but my battles bring to the surface all the imperfections that I may have never known were even there. I don't know how your battles affect you, but my battles, once they're discovered and those imperfections are confessed, that they can be eradicated. I don't know about your battles, but my battles help me pray more. My battles help me to seek God more. My battles turn me to Him. So yes, I'm more than a conqueror, not because I don't have any battles, but because I'm on my knees doing my battling. (laughs) The hill where Jesus was crucified is called Golgotha. It means the place of the skull. If we're going to be effective in spiritual warfare, we've got to realize that first of all, we are in a battle. And then secondly, we must realize that the battleground is in our minds, the place of the skull. And to defeat the enemy, we must be crucified in the same place Jesus was crucified. And that's in the place of the skull. I've got to have my mind renewed today when I come to church. I need the praise singers to say, I know it's tough, but this is a house of worship. I know life is difficult, but God is still on the throne. I need a renewing of my mind. What am I saying? I'm saying, church, we can't take one Sunday off. No, you didn't hear me. I said, this is why we have church. This is why we have worship service. We're not here to entertain people. I'm not here punching my membership card. No, I'm here because I need my mind renewed. I need to realize that heaven has something to say about my trouble. 
I need to be reminded that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. I need to be reminded that in the midst of my struggle, God is still on the throne. Come on, let's praise him right now. I hurry. I hurry. Oh, come on, clap your hands. We got time for that. Can't take one Sunday off. Amen. Only get a few of these, 52 a year. I mean, to teach you algebra, they spend a lot of time doing that. We get 52 of these a year. I don't want to miss one opportunity to say, Lord, help me today. God, give me strength today. Lord, I'm in a fight today. Come on, somebody danced last week and they crawled in this morning. Hey, he's the God of the dance and he's the God of the crawl. Come on. Doesn't matter how you got to do it. I want to say something else. And I know I'm getting a little worked up, but bear with me. There'll be a day I won't have this energy, so let me use it for a worthy cause while I got it. I used to waste this on basketball. God is not a loss as to what to do. God didn't crank this church thing up and then suddenly it got out of hand. God isn't helplessly standing on the sidelines watching his master plan come unglued. In spite of the agnostic, God didn't get it all going and just say, let's see how it works out. God, Listen, God is using my difficulty to perfect me. I'm going to keep on fighting I'm going to keep on praying I'm going to keep on going to church I'm going to keep on reading the word so let's go to the text and I've got uh, bear with me as I have seven minutes listen quickly listen quick Jonathan had defeated a garrison of the Philistines with a thousand men listen quick Saul was in Gilgal with two thousand men listen closely And when the Philistines heard of the defeat that Jonathan had, they gathered a huge army to fight Israel. It kind of reminds me of a given Sunday when God gives some of us the victory. When that happens, it doesn't take but a few hours for the Philistine to say, Oh yeah, victory? Oh yeah, wait till you see this. The Philistines gathered a huge army. I don't have time to preach all that, but you got it. The enemy gathers a huge army after a small victory. King Saul had waited on Samuel after seven days and then had offered a burnt offering in Samuel's place. With 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen on the enemy's side, Saul was a desperate man. Somebody say amen. Saul was desperate. He was facing an insurmountable difficulty. The Philistines had taken, in, in, not only that, the Philistines had taken all of Israel's blacksmiths out of the country. There were no swords in the hands of the Israelites except the hands of Saul and Jonathan. Listen to that. You got an enemy and only two people have a sword. 
without proper equipment and numbers, the Bible tells us 2,400 men of Saul's had scattered into the hills and were hiding in the rocks and caves. They were scared. The enemy was laughing at them. I want to tell you right now, saints of God, the devil would like to take the sword out of your hand. But you stand on the word of God. You hold the sword of the word. He's worked overtime trying to water down and dilute the word of God. This society says that Bible is nothing more than a historical record. But I want to tell you there's life in that book because there's blood in that book. No, I'm not saved by the words. I'm saved by what the words represent. That brings life to me. Through the centuries, that word has been attacked. The field of higher criticism has attempted to diminish the validity and the authenticity of God's word. They say, read anything but the Bible. We, he knows, the enemy knows, that it's the word and the word only that will defeat him in the battle. Jesus used the word in the wilderness when he said to Satan, it is written, it is written. Thank God something is written. So yes, I'm going to go to my study and I'm not going to pull out USA Today. That won't defeat the enemy in my life. I love the authors that give me devotionals. But that's not going to defeat the enemy. I'm going to open the word of God and I'm going to find what is written. Jesus said thy word is truth in John 17. Jesus also declared you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So this is the point. Nobody has a weapon. Nobody has a sword. The enemy has all the goods and all the numbers. And in chapter 14, Jonathan decides, you know what? I'm tired of living defeated. And he says, I'm going to rise up against the Philistines again. The Bible says it's him and his armor bearer. And they climb up a rocky place. And they behold the camp of the Philistines. And when the Philistines see them, they say, look at those folks who crawled out of their holes. Come on up here and we'll show you a thing or two, basically is what they said. And when they said that, Jonathan jumped out from behind the bushes and he began to go into the battle by himself with one sword. And the Bible said he killed 20 men on a half acre piece of ground. Remember, Jonathan is one of the only ones with a sword. I want to tell you, we've also climbed out of a pit. We've also slipped out from a hole somewhere. We were nothing when Jesus found us. We've climbed out from our dark place. And just like Jonathan, we've got a sword in our hand. No, we're not mighty, but our God is. Come on, I said, no, we're not mighty, but our God is. I want to tell you there's some Jonathans here today that have said, I'm not going to stay in the corner. I'm going to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Clap your hands unto the Lord if that's you. If you're a Jonathan here today. Come on, Sister Sherry. So I've got a spoiler alert for you today. Today's the day that the NCAA committee will select a number of basketball teams from, from college basketball and 
They're all anxiously waiting where they'll be placed in the big dance. There'll be some spoilers to the event. Hadn't been too long ago, you know, the, the little number 16 seed goes up against the number one seed, the unbeatable team, and or the number two goes against the number 15, the number three, and you understand. They should have never won. Who let them in the tournament? But every once in a while, one of them spoils the dance for somebody. Spoiler. What is a spoiler? It's a warning that an important detail of the plot development is about to be revealed. A movie critic or whatever, spoiler alert, I'm about to reveal something you'd only know if you watched the movie. I got a spoiler alert for you. The Bible says in our text that three companies, when Jonathan decided he was going to fight, and he won a small acre, half acre of ground. That's not very big. That when he, when he decided, I'm not staying in my hole. The odds are great against us. I don't know how the Lord's going to work this out. But I'm going to do what I know to do. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. The Bible says when he did that, that the Philistines sent out three companies of spoilers. 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 Their mission was to secure three roads that led to the enemy's camp. In other words, it's okay. Jonathan won about a half acre of ground. 20 soldiers died. But what we're going to do is we're going to shut down this victory really fast. I'm preaching to somebody today. It was a protective measure by the enemy. The word spoiler means destroyer. What the enemy's saying was, yeah, you, you had a little victory. Yeah, you, you know, you want a half acre, but I'm fixing to destroy any other opportunity for you to ever see any more victory. I got a word for you today. The enemy doesn't mind you coming up with a few skirmishes and every now and then winning the victory. The enemy really doesn't want us to get on fire. He really doesn't want us to go all in. Listen, if one man with one sword could win a hat, what would have happened if 2,400 men would have crawled out of their holes and said, oh no, we're going to fight the good fight. We're, we're going to join the battle. The enemy doesn't want us on fire. Overboard. Too spiritual. And they're running the aisles again. Praise the Lord, everybody. You with me now? All right. What roads are these spoilers sent out to guard? It's interesting because the Bible names them. I want to tell you what will spoil your victory. The Bible tells us where these spoilers went. The first one was headed for Oprah. Listen, and there's an interesting story about this place. It involves Gideon in Judges chapter 8. Gideon, that great man that won that great victory in the middle of the night with 300 men. The Bible tells us he made an ephod and put it in Oprah. Interesting thoughts about what's happening here. We could go into all that. And you say, well, what's an ephod? Well, the conclusion of the matter is Gideon reconstructed some type of image or shrine to Baal, which he had earlier torn down by God's command. 
What does that mean? At first Gideon had clear vision about what God wanted him to do with the people of Israel. His vision had been clearly communicated. He was to tear down the groves that were dedicated to Baal. He was to pull down every altar to Baal. He was to sacrifice to the Lord where they had sacrificed to Baal. He was to lead Israel into victory over the Midianites. And once the victory was actually won, listen to what happened. Gideon's vision didn't look past one victory in his life. He made no plans for future victory and he refused to allow his son to lead to victory. You know what Gideon did? After one night and 300 men drove out the Midianites, the rest of his 40 years as a judge in Israel is spent accumulating wives and fathering 70 children. The Philistines sent a spoiler to Oprah, which really is the place of forgotten commitment. Oh yeah, the devil will let us dance a little bit on Sunday. But if it can keep us from holding on to commitments that we made. A couple of good Sundays a year are not going to sustain your victory. There is a danger in one victory. And what is it? That we'll not push for any more victories. This is the spoiler of your past commitment. Well, I'm going to pray more. And I don't have time to preach this. Bear with me. I'll let you out in just a second, please. I'm as hungry as you are. Let me say, isn't this what Satan did in the wilderness with Jesus? Ultimately, the third temptation was about Jesus' worship. Bow down and worship me and I'll give you the kingdoms of this world. That's where the devil was going. But we see where he first attempted his temptation of Jesus. He didn't start with worship. He started with Jesus' last commitment. For the Bible tells us Jesus had fasted for 40 days. And that's exactly what the devil went after. He went after his last victory. And if I can get his last victory, then I'll get his second to last victory. And if I get his second to last victory, I'll get his worship. I don't want the enemy robbing me of my worship. My commitment I made last Sunday is just important today as it was last Sunday. My commitment I made as an 18-year-old boy is just as important. Oh, I'm not satisfied. I want another victory. I want another win. I want to see the enemy. I want another life changed. I want to see another addict delivered. I want to see another heart changed. Oh, anybody with me? Anybody with me? The spoiling. The spoiler wants to secure this road, the place of your past commitment. The place where your vision was clear. There's more to come. There's more to this thing than just getting baptized and receiving the Holy Spirit. The enemy slips in through the crack and ease says, why don't you ease up on your past commitments? You're getting a little fanatical. You don't have to pray that much. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? You don't have to go to church that much. There's, there's a good chance that with that desire, determination, and discipline that got me into the church, it's the same degree of commitment that's going to keep me in the church 
hear what I said? It said the same fire that got me into the church is the same fire that's going to keep me in the church. You can't get desperate with God about your soul and then when he saves you, go on autopilot. It's the same desperation you had at the altar when you felt your sin. It's that same holding on to the horns of the altar that's going to keep you in the church. So church, don't let down your guard. The spoilers are looking for past forgotten commitments to exploit. The spoilers want to help you forget your past promises. How many young men have said, I'm not going back to that website anymore. God, with your help, I'm walking away from that. The devil wants to guard against your past He's going to send a spoiler to your past commitment. He's going to snuff the fight right out of you if he can keep you ignoring the commitment you made a long time ago. What was it? I feel a divine pause right now. What was it in your life that you said, Lord, I give this to you. I put it on the altar. Lord, I lay my life down here. Satan wants to cover that up and say it never happened. The Philistines send a spoiler to your past commitment. Take me back, Lord. He said, Philadelphia, Blake, you did such a great job this morning teaching about love. God, help us to love. But he said to that beautiful church that, you know, he said, you've, you've left your first love. You, you, need, you need to get back to your first love. I remember it like it was yesterday, but please bear with me. I, I told myself I was going to be done by noon, and I'm nine minutes, nine minutes a liar. Help me now. I remember that Sunday so well. Nineteen eighty-nine, no, nineteen eighty-eight. I'm sorry, nineteen eighty-eight. It was the Sunday after Thanksgiving, Sunday after Black Friday for some of you. On that Saturday, I'd been on Current River walleye fishing, and, and uh, I'd caught some nice walleye. In fact, I caught one walleye that was thirty-seven inches long. And it was in the night. It was in the night. I was fishing out there. And, and uh, I must apologize. It was the night before I caught a bunch. And I went out there the next day. So it was the next day after. And, and I, rem- I noticed that I was catching them in deep water way out. And I couldn't hardly reach it with my cast. So I had this bright idea in the middle of the night. I thought, well, I'll go to the church and I'll get the baptistry waders. And I'll wade out into the water so I can cast out there where they are. Well... This, these baptistry waders were extra, 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 extra large. They were huge. You know, a prophet's not a prophet unless he's, he can feel the waders. <laughs> I, I remember getting, they didn't have a, a strap, a draw, you know, any drawstring on the waders to cinch them up around your chest. So, you know, raised in Louisiana, <laughs> You know, a Cajun's last words are, hey, y'all, watch this. Yeah, I had one of those moments. I'm going to do this. So I pull those waders on. I tuck them up under my arms. 
And I walk out in that November freezing water. And I start casting, catching fish. Ice accumulating on the end of my rod and reel. I'm throwing and I'm walking around. Anybody ever canoed down Current River, rafted down Current River? That's a swift river. And I was walking out. There was a little sandbar. I thought it was, it was a sandbar. And I was walking out of the sandbar. And so I started going down the river. And as I went down that sandbar, all of a sudden this gravel, this pea gravel turned to gravel. And then that gravel turned to huge boulders in the water. And I realized I was in a, in a field of boulders, got myself. And I started trying to step around them. And, and I got overbalanced. And I fell into that water. And immediately I went to start swimming and those waders popped open. You know what happens when that happens. I had about an, water, water weighs eight pounds a gallon. Okay, now do the math. I don't know how many gallons were in those waders. But all of a sudden I was fighting for my life. And that current started taking me. There's a big, huge corner right there. And in that corner, there was a big, deep hole right there. And big, big swirl, deep hole. And I knew that if I got over that deep hole and those waders pulled me under, I wouldn't be able to come back up. I started swimming for my life. I dropped my gear. I started swimming. And I was drifting into that deep hole. I hollered out. My brother-in-law was up the river a little ways. He started running. He saw me going in that deep hole. I'm telling you as sure as I'm standing before you right now I felt somebody's hand come under me all of a sudden I drifted up on top of that water and I was, I was like what in the world and I was swimming I was crawled up on the bank I started trying to pull those waders off I couldn't hardly get them off in fact my brother-in-law carried them up to the truck and he couldn't even hardly pick them up off the ground that's how heavy they were and I, I knew that God had saved my life. I want to tell you, when I went to when I went to church that next day, I didn't care if they were singing out of the songbook. I didn't care if that wasn't my favorite song. I didn't care who was singing this. I want to tell you, from the first note, I was lost. I was, in the, I was in the heavenly place. I was saying, Lord, I've got a lot to thank you for today. I've got a lot to give you praise. You're so good. You preserved my life. My wife was expecting twins. There I was. Wasn't even a father yet. And I said, Lord, you watched over me yesterday. I want to tell you something. I don't want to lose that feeling when I come to church. I refuse to come in bored because I've been here all my life. I'm not going to let the devil take my last commitment. I'm not going to do it. I want to be just as engaged as I was on that Sunday. I want to be just as on fire as I was the night he baptized me with the Holy Ghost. Oh, and if I need to burn before you today, then let me burn. I want to be on fire today. It's like fire shut up in my bones. I remember telling God, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything. Lord, don't let me lose my last commitment. 
Don't let your guard down, saints. The spoiler's looking for forgotten commitments. I'm preaching to men. I'm preaching to men, right? Oh, please forgive me. I'm, pre- I'm going too long. But I'm preaching to men right now. God got you out of a situation. And that next Sunday in church, you were lit up. You were lit up. Where is that commitment? You know what the enemy did? The enemy saw you get a victory, and then he spoiled it. He said, oh, no. I'm not going to let you keep that commitment. I heard people say, I'm not ever going to be quiet about what God can do anymore. But there's silence on your lips today because the Philistines sent out a spoiler. Oh, yeah, dance a little next Sunday. But I'm going to spoil your victory by making you forget what you committed to God yesterday. Take me back, God. The second group of spoilers, it's not enough just to get your commitment. The second group of spoilers went to Beth Horon. Beth Horon means in the Hebrew, the house of hollowness. Hollowness. Beth Horon represents a hollow place. You're here in body. You're here in body. You're not here in spirit and mind and soul. No, you're hollow. It means a loss of fervor. And when you give up on your past commitments, it's not long before you notice the spoiling of your fervor. I've lost my fire. Where did I lose it? A cavity or a hole is created in your tooth when you allow food to set on or in between your your teeth for long periods of time. You must not let worship, attendance, fellowship become hollow or empty. Satan knows he'll spoil your victory. He steals your fire. I need to stir up the gift that's in me. We can't let the infection of indifference or distraction sit around very long. Somebody say amen. Hey, how many like food? You're thinking about it right now. I'm going to go eat here in just a minute. Not before I feast on his bread. But I'll say this, and I've been closing for a long time. Thank you, Sherry. I need food to exist. And I, I need it several times a day. It's amazing when I eat and I'll get real full. I say, man, I'm not going to have to eat for a week. And guess what? By by supper time at at 10 o'clock at night, I'm standing in the fridge saying, man, what can I eat? Let Let me ask you this. Let me say this. You've never been more sick until you've been sick with food poisoning. Food poisoning. Anybody ever had food poisoning? Oh, my goodness. My brother-in-law lay delirious in an emergency room, dehydrated, couldn't hold anything down. He's never been that sick in his life. And you know what it was? It was food poisoning. And you know how you get food poisoning? You don't leave food in lukewarm environments. what you do with food you either put it in the refrigerator or you put it in the fire no 
you're not hearing me. This bread is life. But you know what? If you lay it, let it lay around and get lukewarm, it can make you sick. You can't afford to get hollow, saints. Sundays like we had last Sunday, they shouldn't be the exception. They should be the rule. I can't afford to now go on a 52 more week uh, hiatus because I had my one event. No, I can't let the bread of heaven get lukewarm. I've got to come back for some more today. I'll get sick on it if I don't put it in the refrigerator or put it in the fire. I would you were hot or cold. Just don't be lukewarm. Jesus said, so get your fire back. Get your fervor back. It's okay. That's what Jesus wants. He either wants you to, oh, you need to hear what I'm about to say. He either wants you to be a drug addict or he wants you to be on fire. He wants you to be either lost or saved. I would that you were hot or cold. I can't do nothing with you if you're lukewarm. I'm stirring it up today. I don't want to put last Sunday's miracle on the shelf. I go back and eat it. It'll make me sick. I want a fresh touch. I want something else on the stove today. Come on, lift your hands all over this building. Come on, lift your hands and worship the Lord. I praise you, God. I praise you, God. If the enemy can break my connection with my past commitment, it's not long before I lose my fire. And then last but not least, it's a dangerous place. The third company of spoilers, they were guarding past commitments. They were guarding the fire, the fervor. We're not going to let you get on fire anymore. We're going to spoil your victory. The third company headed to the valley of Zeboam. 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 This is an odd little place. Zeboam means speckled like a hyena. Speckled like a hyena. In fact, one translation of this word in the Bible, it actually is translated the valley of the father of hyenas. something special about hyenas they're scavengers they're scavengers they're indiscriminate about what they will eat they will eat anything it doesn't care if it's dead alive rotting decayed or leftovers they'll eat anything and you know what the valley of of hyenas you know what that means the valley represents the spoiling of your discernment your discernment you don't know what's good or what's bad we got young people so what's wrong with this and what's wrong with listen it, when you give up on past commitments and the enemy guards your fire and won't let you have your fervor back it's not long before there's nothing wrong with anything you've lost every conviction you ever had you eat anything somebody lays out there. God, I want my victory and I don't want the spoilers to take it from me. So Lord, don't. I want to be able to discern what's good and what's bad. 
you can't discern what's good for you. You lose hold on your past commitments. Your fire begins to dim. And when the fire begins to dim, you begin to battle with what's wrong with this and what's wrong with that. Well, maybe they do have it right. Maybe maybe marriage does mean this. And maybe it's okay. And maybe that. Wait, wait. Where's your fire? Where's your commitment? Because you've lost your ability to discern. In 542 A.D., that was a long time ago, the most devastating plague the world has ever known began to spread from Egypt along the great trade routes. It traveled through Asia Minor to Constantinople, to Greece, Italy, and Germany. You can Google it and check it out. It's called the Bubonic Plague. It raged for 52 years. During that time, an estimated, listen to this, 100 million people died. And they couldn't figure out what caused 100 million people to die. You know what it was looking back on it? It was just a little thing. It was a little thing. Because they didn't recognize that the carrier of the bubonic bacteria was a flea. A flea. It went from rats ultimately to people. A small thing. Let me tell you something. Your victory hinges on small things. Oh, that's not a big deal. Oh, it is a big deal. Your commitment to prayer, it's a big deal. I want to tell you, we're not just wasting time when we say Monday night's prayer meeting. Sunday morning before church is prayer meeting. Sunday service, you need to be here. Wednesday night, we're going to have church. We're not wasting time. We're trying to keep the roads to our victory open. I don't want to lose my past commitment. I don't want to lose my fire. I want to come to church today just like I came the first Sunday I ever knew him. I want to be that excited about it. I want you to stand right now and I want you to pray. In fact, why don't you reach over? You're beside a friend, a wife, a, a husband. You're beside an acquaintance or maybe somebody you sit by every Sunday in church. I want you to reach over and I want you to pray. God, I pray right now. Now, if destruction can pass between people, I believe life can pass between people. I believe healing can pass between people right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray.